0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The
1: Denver Nuggets get the win in the opening game of the Western Conference Finals down at Ball Arena. Vinny Benedetto, of course, the Nuggets be writer for the Denver Gazette, was there. You can follow him on Twitter at VBenedetto. Uh, Vinny, thank you for joining us. We actually played. Uh, Michael Mullins' response to your question about Michael Porter Jr. Uh, before you came on to the program today. Uh, I guess before we dig into any particulars, if you could give us a, a sense for for people who weren't able to be there, the the vibe in that first half, and then sort of the nervousness in the fourth quarter as the Lakers crawled back into it.
2: Yeah, the uh, the first half was certainly a vibe. In, in a word, I mean, the the ball game was rocking. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the Nuggets defending and getting out and running, playing in transition, getting kind of e- easy stuff in that way. And then, yeah, the second half definitely a little more tense, some uh, some some quieter moments in the arena. But I, I think back to that loose ball that uh, Michael Porter Jr. gets on the floor for. KCP digs it out, passes it up to Jamal, who lobs it to Aaron for that dunk that I think put them up six late. I, I don't know if I've ever heard ball arena that loud. So there so there was definitely a little lull in the uh, energy in the arena in the second half, but, but uh, quite a finish nonetheless.
3: Yeah, and uh, I – do think uh, Aaron Gordon deserves a, a little bit of credit. Got an offensive rebound with three minutes left. Now he missed one of the free throws, but uh, it, at least it got the Nuggets a point and uh, about 30 seconds later a dunk uh, uh, from Murray uh, to make it 127-121, and that uh, all but, uh, put the game away, Although, although with 45 seconds left, LeBron had that three that would have tied it at 129, and uh, missed the shot. The Nuggets go on to win 132-126. But uh, I, I, I do want to get your comment on Jokic because it was suggested in some quarters going into the series that uh, Anthony Davis would have the athletic advantage, uh, certainly an advantage in speed, and would uh, clearly be the the better shot blocker. And even on the shot blocking where you could make a case, that uh, Jokic is certainly not known for it, and Davis sort of is. Last night it was two blocks apiece, and I thought as a demonstration of athleticism, uh, if anything, Jokic had the edge over Anthony Davis last night, even though Davis scored 40 points.
2: (laughs) Right, right. And and I think I think some of this is just kind of going to be a, a trend for the series because neither one of these teams can can afford for either one of those guys to spend much time on the bench in foul trouble. So I think when they are in those one to one matchups, I think you know it, it's it's going to be tough to find the the right level of physicality that isn't going to get you in foul trouble. But but to Jokic's athleticism, I think about that play in the first half where he catches it on the left block and he has that quick baseline spin to exactly. Anthony Davis, and, and then he finishes with. With a dunk, something with a we don't dunk. See all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I think I think Nicola is, you know, garnering more respect with each game in these playoffs and, and maybe people will start to realize that he he isn't quite the uh the oath people seem to, to think he is at times.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's obviously uh, getting dispelled uh, almost in real time by the performances there. But when when you look at the the, the way this team faced off, uh, especially against uh, the, the early parts with Jokic on uh, Davis. Uh, Davis certainly is not Jokic's kryptonite. We know that. Now, what we have seen is the switch that they brought the Lakers back into the game. Hachimura spending more time as the primary defender and Davis being able to sort of roam. I've explained this to, to folks before. This is not new. The Lakers did not hit on something that other teams have not done. The Jazz used to do that when they had Rudy Gobert. The Sixers have done that with Joel Embiid the long shot blockers, when they're away and are allowed to rove, uh, do a better job in many ways against Jokic. But for the first part of this in game two, assuming you're going to see a lot more of it, how do you think the Nuggets will adjust and adapt?
2: Yeah, one thing Malone mentioned today was just that spacing has to be better around it, and I think one thing you can do is uh, get Aaron Gordon out of the the dunker spot a little bit and maybe use him – Setting off ball screen, maybe you free up Contagious uh, Caldwell Pope or Michael Porter Jr. in the opposite corner. You know, so when that double team comes, Nicola has an easy out there. Right. I think you you can also use maybe Nicola as a pick and roll ball handler a bit more if they're yep. gonna it they start mm-hmm. with uh, Rui on him. Um, then they're gonna have there's gonna be a decision to be made because it's you know outside of Rui and AD, it's their start their starting lineup or they're they're really pretty small. So I think getting Aaron Gordon out of the dunker spot, getting the spacing right, and uh, just throwing some other uh, maybe more exotic actions, I guess, if you want to call Nicola being the pick-and-roll ball handler, that uh, would go a long way there.
3: We have talked about in the first hour of the show how uh, the Nugget scores by quarter uh, dropped, uh, not dramatically, but Gradually, from 37 to 35, then to 34, and finally to 26 uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, What, in your opinion, was that attributable to most? Was it just fatigue? Or uh, was it what uh, our friend Scott Hastings described on a post-game show last night as uh, the Nuggets going into kind of a prevent offense with a big lead.
2: Yeah, I think there's there's something to the the prevent offense point. I think what stands out most looking back is the disparity in fast break points. I think well, they had seventeen, 17 to seven, two. Yeah, seventeen in the first half, two in the second half. Right. And those two in the second half were the the Aaron Gordon dunk that, we we that talked about. That was the dunk
3: we talked about. Yeah,
2: and, and then you get to the with the Rui uh, on Jokic adjustment. Malone said it today like it's a lot easier to get to that half court defense you know after made buckets that it, it you can't really do that in transition so um i think i think the defense plays a role in, in the decreasing offensive numbers i do think it's probably a positive for the nuggets though that that the lakers went to that late adjustment in game 1 and the nuggets still came out with a win because as much as they've seen it before each one of these teams has a little bit different personnel, so I think having seen that for the final six minutes of the game, and and maybe even struggling against it at times, will will actually be a benefit to them to start game two.
1: Yeah, and that, that's what I wondered too, because th- there's this notion sort of around on the national side that that uh, the Lakers, of course, uh, have already solved the Nuggets, and uh, that this this is uh, there's no idea that the Nuggets could adjust. To, to my way of thinking, I think if there's a silver lining to this, the Lakers sort of showed their hand. They, they tried multiple things. They hit on one of the things that worked. And, of course, they're going to go with it again. But now the Nuggets have a, a full day and a half to, to prepare for exactly that. I don't see this as a negative at all. Sometimes it, you can learn these lessons rather cheaply in a win, and that seems to be what happened with the Nuggets to me because now instead of being somewhat surprised and have to adjust on the fly, they know they can prepare for these multiple different looks and fronts that they're going to get from the Lakers.
2: Yeah, and I and I don't know if if the Nuggets are fully anticipating that Rui Hachimura starts game two, but if he does, I think it's certainly a benefit that they've they've seen that and and can almost kind of predict that yeah. if Rui is in the starting lineup, they have a pretty good idea of what's coming. And then if you remove Rui from that bench unit and put either D'Angelo Russell or Dennis Schroeder, I would assume that would have to move to uh to make that happen. Then they don't yeah, really I... have any any any. I want
3: want to ask you about that last night because Reeves was minus three shooter was minus six. Russell was minus 25. I mean, he was bad Uh, and, and not just on defense on offense too. We know he doesn't guard anybody, uh, but he was really bad on offense last night, really unproductive at eight points, 26 minutes. Uh, Wouldn't you think if they did move, uh, Hachimura into the starting lineup who would be Russell who would come out rather than shooter or, of course, Reeves. Reeves is terrific last night, especially
2: down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. I think D'Angelo's probably the the obvious choice there. And, and, you know, if I'm a Lakers fan, the thing I would worry about there is, if you know, if you demote him there, do you lose him for the rest of the season from, like, an engagement standpoint or – uh, and then then, what happens to the Lakers bench beyond that? because I mean, even if you move them out of the starting lineup, I think you gotta you still gotta play him unless you want to go to a Malik Beasley, I guess might be their best option of the guys who didn't play so yeah i'm not yeah, I'm not just,
3: saying bench him and don't play him at all i i I just think you know for for the next game uh that they'd be looking to start the way they finished is. Uh, closely as possible and also that it, it, it would make them a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and prevent the nuggets maybe from out rebounding them 22 to three which it was in the first quarter at one point last night it might be a good idea
2: yeah i'm in agreement <laughs> there i yeah i just I, I wonder about dangelo's engagement level if, if he, he is kind of the odd man out there
1: yeah that then i you know what i've i've reached out a little bit and i think there's some uh, feeling in that in L.A. that that's exactly the feeling that I've got is that they are concerned about taking him out of the st- out of the starter because of his just the personality type. You know, the half of half of sport and especially basketball is managing the personnel, mm-hmm. and there is concern that that D'Angelo Russell will not take things well if he is demoted from the starting uh, lineup. And we've we've seen that. I mean, you know, we saw that with Will Barton here in Denver, who was convinced he was a starter and did not like. Uh, coming off the the, the bench and made a, made a stink out of it. And this is not the time of the year in which you want that sort of situation. So they may be kind of hamstrung by that, and that may be to the Nuggets' advantage. But uh, let's flip it, I guess. What did the the Lakers learn, especially late when uh, LeBron James was able to really play downhill, do kind of whatever he wanted? And, of course, uh, Anthony Davis ended up with the maybe quietest 40-point playoff game I think I've ever seen because of Jokic. Yeah. But yeah. those two guys were effective. And uh, what can they do in game two to get LeBron going maybe a little bit earlier?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question because, I mean, you look at the Lakers, to your point, Anthony had, Davis had a big night, LeBron and Austin Reed 26 and 23 apiece, yep. so they really got pretty balanced contributions there. Right. Um, and for LeBron, life was, life was certainly more difficult when, when Aaron Gordon was in the game. And when he was out, that's when it was kind of like, start with Jeff Green, and then I can get the Jamal Murray switch whenever I want. Um, so I think it's hard to get get to that whenever Aaron Gordon's out there because I think they're going to ask Aaron just to fight through screens and, and just really battle as much as he can. But in those minutes where LeBron is on the court and Gordon is not, I think LeBron just sees a, a great opportunity in front of him to attack and get downhill. So I think that's one thing they might try to – Emphasize even more, or see if they can, you know, double screens or something on Aaron Gordon just to get LeBron downhill a bit. Because I thought Aaron Gordon did a really a pretty admirable admirable job of battling for for as long as he was in the game against LeBron, and then in the minutes he was off, it was it was time to feast.
3: Vinny, uh, last one for me. Um, at least for last night, the three guys off the Laker bench played a combined fifty eight minutes. The three guys off the Nugget bench played a combined 54 minutes. Pretty similar. Fair to say that, again, at least for last night, the Lakers got more from their bench than the Nuggets got. And to be more precise, I thought the Nugget bench uh, had problems uh, throughout the game when it came to Green and Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, played an excellent first half, but wasn't nearly as good in the second half. I think at some point to win this series, at least in one game, the nugget bench is going to have to either make a major contribution toward winning or play a hell of a lot better than, than the three guys played last night. Uh, what was the feeling there today? Uh, the morning after, so to speak, about uh, what the bench needs to do and maybe didn't do very well last night?
2: Yeah, there, there wasn't really a ton of talk today about, about the bench as a whole, but you know, I think the one thing for that unit all year long has been getting stops. And Bruce Brown, I think, is way more effective as an offensive player when he's in transition, when he's pushing the tempo. He
3: says um, that. He's the first one to say that.
2: Right. And and I think I think Christian Brown is probably in the same boat now. You think about some of the, the big plays he's made. It's it's the run out dunks in transition, sure. or like forcing a turnover, getting out on the break. So I think that's and, and Jeff Green still the same thing. Like he's a bit older, you know, but he's still got He's, he's still
3: better running than he is uh, playing yeah. <laughs> at uh, a slower tempo. is Right. Night so I, and think, day. I
2: think for that group it's gotta start with defense. Um and yeah and I'd be curious to see what happens to the Lakers bench again if Rui is in the starting lineup because then it's Jared Vanderbilt who's a, a non-factor offensively. Um, Lonnie Walker hit a couple shots last he did. night. Um, he did. It was okay. But, 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 yeah, I don't know if he's a guy you're reliably leaning on, you know, over the course of an entire season to contribute. Um, so, yeah, I think if that, that second unit for Denver can do a better job of preventing LeBron from getting to the basket and taking it out under their own hoop. I, th- I think that would go a long way for, for the
1: Nuggets bench. He is Vinny Benedetto, the uh, Nuggets beat writer for the Denver Gazette. Make sure you check him out at V Benedetto on Twitter for all of the latest. And uh, obviously, a good start for the Denver Nuggets. We'll find out what they do tomorrow. Thanks a bunch for the time, Vinny.
2: Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on.
1: All right. Wonderful. Always good to talk to uh, to Vinny there because this was such a um, it was such an interesting game, Sandy. And I guess I look at it and think, still, um, I was the guy that was, I think prior to game one, maybe a little more negative than you were. And I wonder if that switched a little bit, because I feel far more positive after game two. and, and you After game one. After game one, pardon me, coming into game two. And uh, it, it feels like maybe you're a little more. Well, I, I, I'd be a little more concerned
3: than I expected to be, let's say, at halftime last night uh, about game two now, uh, because I, I think the Lakers, independent of whatever you think the Nuggets were doing and not doing, I thought the Lakers found maybe some points of foundation that they can, I, I hate the cliche, but I'm going to use it here, build on for uh, the next game. And uh, I think the the way they're likely to look at it is that three of the five starters uh, were, were actually pretty good last night. Uh, Davis, LeBron, and Reeves—all uh, their bench players are plus players, and the Nugget bench players were all minus. Conversely, the Lakers starters were all minus, but not extremely, except for Russell. And uh, the Nugget players, except for Murray, were well into the plus uh, category, and. Murray is fighting an ear infection that presumably will be a little bit better Mm -hmm. on Thursday. Woman, hope he's been dealing with it for a a while now. Yeah, right. So uh, you know, you you look at that; it's probably a week long thing. and You know, he's getting the best of (laughs) medical care. I mean, at at least as good as we be uh, getting. So i i i don't I don't think the Nuggets should be. Petrified going into Game Two by any means. After all, they did win Game One, but I, I think maybe Game Two becomes a little trickier because the the Lakers see uh, we don't necessarily have to play four quarters the way we played last night in the second half, but uh, we we just can't get annihilated the way we did earlier. Now, how are they going to out rebound us? especially as badly as they did in the first half. Again, probably not. not. It'll be a different game and and we'll uh, adjust. Um, But I I do agree with you to this extent. First game blowouts are overrated. Even though, in the history of the NBA, uh, the Game 1 winners win about 77-78% of the time. Win the series. But I think first game blowouts can be anomalies just from what I've observed
1: over the and years. And the they can perhaps send the wrong signal of how one-sided a matchup really is. And this one is not. And so then for the, the, Nuggets, the winning team in a blowout. Right. gets yeah,
3: maybe a little comfortable and not as ready for game two. And perhaps the Nuggets got a bit of a wake-up call in the fourth quarter. And though they won't get off to the same kind of start in game two that they did in game one, uh, maybe they'll be emotionally engaged and, again, have that constructive fear of losing, constructive fear of losing that I think all champions need. One of the
1: champions on the Denver Nuggets was on the Lakers the last time they faced off in the Western Conference Final. We'll talk a little bit about Contavious Caldwell-Pope and hear what Michael Malone said about him next on My Life Sports.
0: Sandy Clough and Sean Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The last time the Nuggets and
1: Lakers faced off in the Western Conference Finals, it was in the bubble in 2020. Contavious Caldwell Pope was charged with stopping one Jamal Murray. This time he plays alongside him last night, nine for 17, 21 points, plus 16, second best on the team. Right. Caldwell Pope looked like the kind of playoff performer that you want
3: as the role player on a team making a championship run. I thought he was excellent. Uh, every shot he took was a high percentage shot. Uh, I thought he moved well without the ball. Um, he's another nugget among many who benefit when the pace is is a little quicker and uh, he chipped in. I thought he, I I thought he was good defensively. Uh, I think the fact that uh, Russell and even Reeves in the first half really didn't do very much uh, was largely attributable to his defense. Bruce Brand did a good job in the first half when he came into the game. Uh, Murray was outstanding offensively, uh, certainly in the first half, but, Uh, 21 points two rebounds three assists two steals a block and only one turnover in 36 minutes excellent game for Caldwell Pope who is playing a much much larger role with the Nuggets than he ever did with the Lakers in 2020 yes
1: certainly uh and it's it's a big part of of what the Nuggets are trying to do because you pointed out did a very good job containing uh, Austin Reeves early on and uh, wasn't able to do it the whole game obviously Reeves did eventually get going but uh, by holding him off in the first half that that's part of the difference too so it was big and and Michael Malone uh, had a chance to talk about KCP after the game here's what he said
0: what i'm seeing is a 10 year vet who's won a world championship and who is um, who is built for moments like these you know whether it's in the phoenix series game 5 and 6 I mean, the first quarter he had in game six in Phoenix was just incredible. And, you know, I I marveled at his game tonight, not just a defensive end, but, you know, 21 points, you know, knocks down some big threes. Late in the game, drove the ball and finished over Anthony Davis uh, with a finger roll. Um, So, you know, KCP, that's why we went out and got a guy like that. You know, he's been in these situations before and who embraces this opportunity. And I think that's exactly what he's doing.
3: I think that was uh – Uh, Certainly one of the acquisitions that the Nuggets have made in recent years that uh, was greeted with great enthusiasm by everybody in the organization. And to the Nuggets' credit, uh, they have given Contavius Caldwell Pope a lot more responsibility than I would think he's ever had in his career up to this point. And it wasn't just a specialist they were bringing in. They, they were bringing in a starter who was expected to produce on both ends of the floor. I thought during the first half of the season, he was excellent. Uh, during the second half of the season, not quite as good. Not a liability, but kind of flattened out. And now here in the playoffs, as the games supposedly get tougher to win, and i think that's true i think they do get tougher to win he seems to get better and do more and he earned his 36 minutes last night i mean that's that's 3 quarters of the game he
1: played yeah and and,
3: and again another guy who if they had had to use him another 2 or 3 minutes <laughs> it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world
1: didn't seem like it and in this particular matchup, I mean, he really is so important. What he can score, normally you look at it, and I think, you know, what KCP scores, if he sits around there and gets, you know, 10-11 a game, which is what he was averaging, by the way, coming into the game, 11.4. But they do need him to generate more offense in this series. And I think the point that you made right off the bat, outstanding shot selection. Yeah. Not, not just good, outstanding. I mean, textbook shot selection. And that's the kind of stuff that the, being a veteran there and knowing what the situation calls for uh, really helps. And I think that's, again, one of those ways to make things more difficult for any adjustment that the Lakers make on defense. If the guys on the, the court can score, and that's, I think, where Jeff Green and Christian Brown really were exposed, even though I, I, I get some of the nitpicks with Bruce Brown's game. This is one of those series that if you can't score, you can't play. And take a look at Jared Vanderbilt, for example, who had been playing starters minutes at at times for the Lakers. Ten minutes, no shots, no points. Uh, Seated the big minutes to Hachimura and Lonnie Walker. Yeah. There is too much talent on these teams that if you cannot score... Defenses will simply leave you alone. You have to at least pose the threat. And Caldwell Pope, I think, showed that he was even more than, if you need him to be more than 10, 11 points a game, he can do that. The Nuggets are going to need him to do it. I I think there is
3: a feeling that he has too. That, yes, he played on a championship team with the Lakers, but they didn't use him to the extent that he could have been used. And he was more of a specialist. I mean, his job, in the 2020 Western Conference Finals in the bubble, was to guard Murray. And they didn't care if he scored a point. I mean, he was the... the thing is- here they're asking more of him, and here he's going against now his former team, whom he feels did not necessarily take advantage of his talents to the fullest extent possible. And so there's a little bit of additional incentive for him in this round that might not have even been there against Phoenix or Minnesota.
1: It is possible. And I I can see that situation sort of playing out. There are, there are some values to playing your previous team. I mean, I think there is something to it and I think it's, you want to show what they've missed out on. You want to show that the team you've joined was a better choice than where, that where you're at is better than where you were. And for Caldwell Pope, the only way to do that is to walk away with the ring and have a bigger role in. it. So that steadiness is really valuable. And I think when you look at the Nuggets starting five, there's a reason that the advanced metrics folks look at it and say that's the best five-man unit in the league. I get it. And it has been and it can continue to be. But as you pointed out, they have to have more from the bench than just Bruce Brown. And in Jeff Green's case... Uh, he's not adding very much. Christian Brown has to be a lot better than he was last night. I like Christian uh, Brown too, but uh, his inability to hit shots is a real problem.
3: Well, he only took two though, and it, it, Green is Green only generally took three. given the chance to take uh, more. And Green played six more minutes. Yeah, they, they on average uh, each they took a shot six every six minutes, minutes. minutes. But the kind of shot Brown's not taking bad shots. He's taking wide open shots. Um, I know he, he uh, can't uh, hit but, them, but well. I don't know. Um, again, when they're running, uh, and and he's out in the open floor, uh, it, it, I mean, he can't make them run. That's 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 not the kind of player he is. Uh, I I thought defensively uh, initially he was pretty good. He did block a shot, and I thought certainly in the first half there wasn't a nugget on the floor who was really ineffective. I thought late third or early fourth, uh, particularly with Christian Brown and and Jeff Green, they weren't as effective. And the Lakers got on track a little bit. Now, you know, the Nuggets scoring went down from quarter to quarter. The Lakers scoring actually went from 25 to 29 to 38. And 34 in the fourth, (laughs) not much of a come down from 38. Um, the bench needs to be better. Um, the matchups in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, I didn't think were great. I thought the the matchups that they managed to get in the first three quarters were, were fine. Um, but in, in the Lakers best offensive quarter was the third quarter. And I thought that was more about the Lakers than it was about nugget deficiencies. But when you look at one bench that involved three guys, another bench that involved three guys, the Laker trio of Hachimura and yes, Vanderbilt and Walker were better than green Brown and Brown were. They, they were, they were just better. They, they made tangible uh, contributions. Uh, Vanderbilt only played 10 minutes, but uh, Christian Brown only played 12 I Vanderbilt was effective, uh, maybe a little more so on the defensive end than Christian Brown was. But, um, I, I, you know, the, the, the Lakers are going to use these different combinations and they're going to mix and match. And the nuggets tend to be pretty static in the way they set up their rotation. and, Listen, they're 9-3 in the playoffs, and until they lose a game, and as they did, you know, the two games against Phoenix, when after those two losses out in Phoenix, Malone said everything was on the table, and I, I believe him. It didn't turn out that he needed to make any real changes, mm-hmm. but he was open to the possibility. And I think, uh, especially if the Nuggets lose one of the next two games, and the bench isn't much better than it is last night. And I think you have to think about at least reordering the substitution pattern a little bit. The nuggets are pretty static that way, as we all know, right. We know when green's going to play. We know Brown, uh, Bruce Brown is going to be the first in followed generally now by Christian Brown, but that the big minutes will go to Bruce Brown and you know, green will get his 18, 19, 20 minutes a game. He just, will. And uh, it seems that it doesn't matter what he's doing or not doing. He's going to get those minutes. And that's the thing I question. If Christian Brown is ineffective, cut him by three or four minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown, if he's ineffective, uh, he plays maybe 24 minutes instead of 28 minutes. Uh, I, I I'm not, it, it, it just seems that uh, with, with Green, there's this idea that he's got to play at certain points with certain people, and I, I think Green plays a lot more with Jokic than Christian Brown does. As yes, matter of fact, that probably helps Jeff Green One a little bit, but it seems with Jeff Green, if he dunks once or hits a three, uh, which he did last night, people go, oh, my goodness, and especially the announcers. That's why Jeff Green is one of the well, best reserves in the league.
1: When, you don't, when you don't They watch haven't team, been watching the Nuggets yeah, When you don't watch a team, the yeah. old fallback has grabbed the, the crafty veteran tag. I mean, it's Easy you know, it's the old, old Easy, standby. Easy, lazy angle. But the Nuggets do find a way to get it done. And uh, obviously, you know, this is a, a team-oriented approach here at, at Mile High Sports and covering this uh, tremendous series and how the importance of it. The Nuggets organization can't be overstated. So we'll have an opportunity, even though Anilo Pirro is the host of Afternoon Drive, he's going to pop in with us and uh, touch base on the Nuggets as well as we continue to break this down. Game one goes to the Nuggets. Talk about it next with Anilo Pirro on Mile High Sports.
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: And Danilo Piro, who joins us. The <laughs> host of Afternoon Drive comes on immediately after this. You catch him uh, at 4 o'clock with his co-host, Cody Rourke, on both days. And Danilo uh, joins us to break down this Nuggets game one victory. We've had a lot of different perspectives on it. Um, I- I'll give you mine, Danilo, and I'd like to just get your response. To me, uh, although while it's not ideal to have that game come back to be a a last-minute sort of a struggle, at the same time, if I were the Nuggets, I'd rather learn about your flaws now and what the Lakers intend to take advantage of now while you can spend time adjusting and adapting to it prior to Game 2 than learning about it during Game 2.
0: Yeah, no, I I find myself agreeing with that. And, you know, Michael Malone today at practice essentially said just that about— it's almost a luxury to have a team like the Lakers show their hand in a game in which you won, right? You saw the adjustment of a team like Los Angeles uh, midway through a game. Obviously, Darvin Hammond and company thought they had an opportunity if they made this adjustment to try to steal a game one like they had in their previous two postseason series up until this point. But, uh, you know, the Nuggets right now, despite the national, it's so funny because you see the national, you know, talking heads and everything. And it's about it's always about not what the Nuggets did right. It's about what the other team, you know, was able to do to kind of stay in these games and whatnot and you know everybody i saw skip bayless Stephen A. Hey, everybody's talking yeah. about how uh you know you got to be feeling pretty damn good if you're a laker fan or if you're playing for the lakers or whatever it might be but i look at it the other way i think uh you know they showed their hand a little bit the lakers did and now you know michael malone and company have ample time to adjust
3: i i think the lakers have some other things they can do uh, better obviously as well of namely not get out rebounded 22 to 3 in the first yeah <laughs> nine minutes of the game, whatever it was. It was 22-3 to at one point uh, in the first quarter. But uh, I I do think that you you can look at this and basically conclude that for 44 out of the 48 minutes, uh, the Nuggets had their way Mm -hmm. with the Lakers or essentially held them at bay if they weren't dominating them. And it was from about six minutes and change left in the game to maybe – uh, two minutes left, that the Lakers really made a move, hit some threes, mm-hmm. the Nuggets became almost uh, somnambulant. They, they, they just weren't moving. <laughs> Nothing was happening. And the, the Lakers took advantage of that. But again, I thought one of the takeaways last night, certainly out of the first half, was if the Nuggets play at that pace and at that level, It doesn't matter what the Lakers do. They can't even compete, much less beat the Nuggets, if the Nuggets are on top of their game and moving the way most of their players, I think, would prefer to move, and that's at a...
0: Yeah, when they play their brand of basketball, I mean, they're, they're a tough team to beat for anybody. Eastern Conference, Western Conference, you know, LeBron James, whatever gear he, he is in his career, whatever it might be. But, you know, and I, I think, unfortunately, it's not just the Nuggets. This is a product of the NBA. Sometimes when you're up 20 plus points, even in a playoff game, even in a Western Conference playoff game at that, complacency can set in. And, and, you know, that has been kind of a trend with the Denver Nuggets over the last handful of years of they play their best basketball when, they're, when their backs are against the wall or at least creeping towards that wall. When they develop these big leads I saw your tweet last night, Sean. You know, they the Lakers kept playing and kept playing yeah. and kept playing. And when you're down, 20, I said that
1: right at the end of the third quarter. I'm like, ah, uh, folks, they, there's they a did, risk here. They did they
0: not yet, wave
3: the uh, white no. flag. Of the, the hardest
1: it, it, it is funny. You know, you'll talk to people in the NBA, and they'll say at times the hardest lead to, to hold is a 20 point one. Yeah, because like you have and to hockey. fight off in today's game,
3: especially because the three, the three can three ball, get you back in. Even even a team that doesn't shoot
0: a lot of threes. Uh, They were 11 for 24 last night. Mm -hmm. And I I think Mark Kisla said it well in the post-game press conference in his question to head coach Michael Malone about – you know, watching that game, he said it. I saw it as well. I'm sure many Nugget media members that were there, you know, you, you kind of saw a ghost of Denver Nuggets past at times over the course of that third and the fourth quarter, where, you know, in previous seasons, previous regimes, you know, even just previous versions of this team with, you know, Malone, MPJ, Jokic, Murray, they've lost in those type of spots before. But I, I, I think, you yeah, know, them true. having that resiliency, I think, is a sign of the growth and maturity of this team. But, you know, at the end of the day, a win is a win. You know it, it is. It doesn't matter if you win by 20 or 1. And it, it is,
1: that's something I think I think that at these day after, you know, it is tempting to, to really go into more of it. But in the end, it's the playoffs, right? Right. The, the point is to get four wins before the other guys get four wins. doesn't matter and how you many And you got one. The scores don't really matter. And it doesn't matter if it was a blowout. It doesn't matter if you played all that well. Did you get the win or did you not? And, and if you're the Nuggets, you got the win. You got some some lessons on the cheap. They didn't cost you a game. Right. And you learn some confidence. I think the point you make—we talked about this a little bit ourselves, Sandy—the idea that uh, the, the Nuggets are fighting to a certain extent against their own history. Now, of course, these players, they uh, we're, I know that well—they <laughs> don't care. But the organization—not against
3: the Lakers—they don't.
1: The organization cares, and and players are aware what team they play for. You're aware you've played. You're aware you're playing for the Denver Nuggets, a team that's never won a title. That's different than if you throw on a Lakers jersey. And the the players do know that. And whether the pressure is is omnipresent or not, at times it is there. And there were moments, as Anilo I think referred to, that late in that game you're feeling, oh no, here we go again. Well, that's the thing that happens if you're the Nuggets. It's not really the thing that happens if you're the Lakers, because the Lakers are like, well, that's okay, we bounce back and win titles. So the ability to fight through that adversity, that uh, they got their their game back in order, it is easy to forget that even though it was close at one point, you know, it was, like Sandy said, four minutes, and then really the last minute and a half was quite under control, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly. The, yeah, the Nuggets, I mean, they it, they got James did
3: have that three-pointer that could have gone in. Yeah, but they, the but game, they got but, the
1: game back. Yeah. They, they handled it correctly. They stopped looking out of control. Uh, you know, I guess uh, Bruce Brown at the end, I would have taken the easy layup and gone up yeah, by seven. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, you'll I learn that next time. Process. Probably the play. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that, that, too. That's, it's funny we didn't mention that. But, yeah, those folks in Vegas don't miss by much. It was minus six yeah. and a half, if I remember right. And
0: Jokic missed the first free throw mm-hmm. and yeah. on six. Yeah. So. They, uh, yeah. There's a
1: reason they built those billion-dollar buildings
0: up. Yeah, I, I will say this, too, though. You know, Malone had a, a, an interesting bite after the game about how he didn't sense any panic in the huddle. You know, despite the Austin Reeves three-point shots and, and Anthony Davis and Rui doing their thing, Uh, You know, there was a sense of poise, I believe, is the word that he used to kind of describe. And obviously it's coach speak to an extent, but I I thought it was also reflective in the body language of the players on the court and then after the fact. And and to me, that's an indicator because we saw against Phoenix, look at the fan base. Everybody's super excited, right? But the players stayed within themselves for the most part. And I sensed that yesterday at the postgame press conference, like a win is a win. Good to get a win. On to the next one. They're not getting too high and they're not beating themselves up either. They're trying to stay as even keel as possible.
3: Yeah, and uh, this team is good enough to do what, uh, at least in first games over the years against the Lakers, that the, the Nuggets have never done. Right. And that's run out to huge leads. Uh, you can't blow huge leads if you don't have huge leads. And I don't remember even in wins against the Lakers in the playoffs, which have obviously been few and far between, uh, that uh, the Nuggets – were ever uh, so far ahead or, or just maybe within 15, 20 points mm-hmm. uh, where it would be possible for the Lakers to make a run at them to, to see how they react. Uh, the Nuggets tended to win the games they won against the Lakers pretty comfortably, and the Lakers even more emphatically would uh, generally win against the Nuggets. But but you're right, and I, I, I think... Having Jokic, uh, it, it should be good for at least two wins in a series, and I think last night we saw one of them.
0: Yeah, and obviously, Where he was
3: just, even if the second half wasn't quite as good in the first, he was just too good.
1: But he was player. insurmountable. That's, yeah, a, that's a good point.
3: He, he was. Uh, he's incredible. He was far and away the best player on the floor. Yeah. Even though the guy who he kind of sort of was going against had a 40-point night mm-hmm. with 10 rebounds.
0: Yeah. You know, it's and that's the thing, though. Like Speaking of Anthony Davis, it's never been a question of ability. It's a question of health. I mean, we've seen this with Anthony Davis when he is healthy and he's in the right mindset. I mean, he, he's an MVP-caliber player. It's just been the consistency aspect of it with him. And And I'm so interested to see, you know, how this team adjusts in game number two. You know, Michael Porter Jr. spoke with the media earlier this afternoon. And, you know, everyone's talking about this Rui Hachimura situation. Oh, the, the, the Lakers cracked the code. The Lakers, you know, have the secret oh, sauce. Oh, that's an overstatement. Yeah. And even well, you know, MPJ came out and said, "I think we're going to figure out how to counter that." Once you know? they have the
1: film on it, they're watching you're watching the film study of it. Yes, you know your spacing could be better, should be better. Now they they see it coming. Yeah. Look, the guy people have thrown a lot of stuff at Nikola Jokic, and like anybody, the first couple times, uh, yeah, he can be confused, the team can be confused. Uh, once he's seen it a couple times, it's a different story, and Absolutely. that's where I think that it is. It you know. I, the, the national side is missing the point. They look at it and say, well, y- Jokic won't be that good again. Well, are you sure? Because um, he has been. But even if he isn't, the idea that the, the nugget shooting was not duplicatable. Okay. I, I, even if I were to grant that, are we sure the Lakers were? They were phenomenal yeah, right. from the three points, which they're not Both usually. teams shot
3: the same uh, percent. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I'm not really sure the Lakers is sustainable either. Both of these teams will regress towards the mean. Remember, the second game of the series with Phoenix was 97-87. Right. Well, uh,
3: you know, we, you could have... Uh, determined well in advance by just listening to our program mm-hmm. yesterday uh how the game would go last night because we said one thing we know <laughs> the game won't be played the 120s 20s. right <laughs> uh, so you could have just well listened said. to us and uh, certainly had a, a yeah. very good idea of how the game would
0: unfold it was it was a fun one i, I will say this i, I saw a tweet about kind of the coaching dynamic that I thought was was, was spot on from uh, Matt Moore, who's a writer over at the Action Network, and he says, Malone has more ways to use his personnel than Ham. That said, Ham has more personnel to use than Malone. That's and a I, good and I, and I think I like that's, that's a true. very interesting dynamic because Ham has, you know, we talked about D'Angelo Russell. They have some of these other guys. Malone's going to stick to an eight, nine-man rotation most often, and I think it's, it's going to come down to coaching. Well, oh, Malone,
3: Malone's, especially if they keep winning, he's not going to deviate. Even yeah. and, and, and Forget about the use of the eight guys. Even in the way he uses them and the time he puts them in the game, that's not going to yeah, change. No. As long as they continue to win, even though I think maybe there were some changes that could have made things yeah. a little easier last night because the bench
0: wasn't good enough last night. The bench has got to takes a lot to beat these uh, Los Angeles I Lakers. Don't. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out.
1: Uh, we will. And, of course, you get more about it from Nilo Puro, our guest right here, because he is up next. Thanks to Danny Bailey and Andrew Detmer in the booth making us sound and look good, respectively. Thanks to Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette for joining us as well to break down week one. And thanks to you for everyone uh, watching over at and listening uh, on the app or over the air. We appreciate all of you and all the interactions. We'll be back tomorrow with more. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on Mile High Sports. In you
3: a in this time. You better